Animals Today Radio is made possible in part by a generous grant from International Society for Animal Rights, isaronline.org. Welcome to Animals Today, your home for serious talk about animals. I'm Dr. Lori Kirshner. What an incredible week of activity following the killing of the beloved lion Cecil by an American dentist. Dr. Walter Palmer is still nowhere to be found, and he's become a pariah. The anger toward him is so great, his home address was even tweeted by Mia Farrow. Now, I'm not going to give it out now, but what do you think about that? Is it okay to publish the home address of a person who probably is fearful for his life and the safety of his family? Oh, and in a news report just today, Palmer's million-dollar Florida vacation home was vandalized. Yep. Now, one popular theme throughout the week has been, why are we so concerned about this lion when so many other animals are being killed all the time? And why is everyone so worried about this lion when human baby parts and fetal corpses are being sold? I mean, good questions, in my opinion. Or shouldn't we be more concerned about the 23 or more veterans who commit suicide daily and less so about Cecil? Hmm. Well, the discussions are everywhere, and I think it's great to see them, knowing that awareness about the problems with hunting and poaching is increasing. Then there was a scare that lasted maybe a half a day that Cecil's brother had been killed by a poacher, as reported by CNN, but later this was found to be false. But it was so upsetting and really evoked feelings of despair and being powerless. The country of Botswana has banned sport hunting of animals, and airlines are jumping in, announcing they will ban shipments of big game trophies. That's great. The brilliant Ted Nugent, of course, called hunting opponents stupid, the closest thing we have to an NRA statement thus far. Also, another American hunter, Pittsburgh gynecologist Jan Seski, now stands accused of killing a lion in Zimbabwe in an illegal hunt in April, and his guides have been arrested. Now he's running scared, you think? And some good news, Ty Warner of Beanie Baby fame announced that a new Beanie Baby, a lion named Cecil, will go on sale in September with all profits going to the Wildlife Conservation Research Unit of University of Oxford in Oxford, England. Warner said, hopefully this special Beanie Baby will raise awareness for animal conservation and give comfort to all saddened by the loss of Cecil. Like I said, what a week. To discuss some of these events and related hunting issues, I am pleased to welcome back to the show Lisa Kemmerer, author and professor of philosophy and religions at Montana State University, Billings. We recently spoke to her about her book, Eating Earth. Hi, Lisa. Hi, I'm so happy to be back. Thank you. Thank you, Lisa. Lisa, people are so animated and upset about the killing of this line. Why do you think this is the case? Well, we should be upset. Someone has, an innocent has died. And, and that's the bottom line is that it makes perfect sense. What doesn't make sense is that we aren't normally upset about all the endless animal suffering and human suffering. We tend to kind of go along with blinkers and ignore and even participate with regard to animals as a, as a culture. So it's fascinating. And I think there's something of media, right? There's studies that look at, you know, why suddenly some silly dance takes off and gets a million hits. And so there's something of the type of media we have now that there's no telling why a particular thing may take off. Yeah. But if I were looking at maybe something that set this off, money. This is a rich guy. This guy is ugly rich. And I don't think that's something that our that the common person is all that happy about. Yeah. And this is a shared sorrow. You know, this is, this is everyone's lion that this rich guy killed. And it's an international embarrassment. Dr. Palmer and now Dr. Seski have been shown to be big-time trophy hunters of exotic animals in Africa with horrific pictures of them by the corpses. Are these guys different from the typical American hunter who shoots deer, duck, or quail? Well, yeah. let's unpackage it. Let's look at what a tro trophy hunt is. So, and, and the other we'll call it the sport hunting. So the average person that goes out with a gun to shoot, say, a deer or a moose versus somebody that flies over to Africa and wants to kill a lion or a giraffe. So what's the same about them seems to be that 
it's it's an activity for fun, and their fun is killing. Uh, it's also a gamble, right? It's a, and it's kind of expensive. So, and especially that would be one of the differences is that the trophy hunting is much more expensive. What they want is a little different. One wants the body, and the other wants kind of everything else, right? The hair and the head. That's a little weird to think about. And how much they want it. And I think because the trophy hunter invests more, they're a little more desperate to get. It's like when you want to, you know, if I were going to climb a local mountain, no big deal. But if I want to go up Everest, I I got more into it, and I want to get to the top. So I think there's a little more desperation with the trophy hunt. So while there are are some particular differences, but uh, I think it's more a matter of degree than kind. What factor or factors do you think motivates hunters? You know, some people like sports cars or fancy stereos or or golf, and some people like to hunt. Is there a real difference in these activities compared to hunting? I like the way you phrase that because I think that like sports cars and big TVs, it has to do with capitalism and advertisement and what we're told we want. And I think at the end of the day, that plays a huge part. But if you if you look at what people say they want from it, I mean, that's the manipulation behind it, the big money like the NRA. But if you ask people what they want, it's usually just time with their friends when they're going hunting. Now, trophy hunting's uh, a little different. They don't tend to be doing this with the guys for fun. The average hunter's going out for maybe some time with some buddies to get away from, um, you know, they're not going for food. They've got plenty in the grocery stores. They're, they're getting away from their families and their the, the cement. They want something more real than the concrete and the computers. They want to connect. So um, it's kind of an escape from their normal lives. So that's one of the motivations. And, you know, wonderful. there's a wonderful scholar named uh, Marty Keel. And there's been others that have worked on this. But Keel comes to mind as the one who uh, I read who influenced me most on this, that there's something, one of the motivations, there's something very sexual about it for men. Um, and I know I had a student once, and we were talking about hunting. And he admitted, he admitted it when I said, well, you like to go to the woods, why don't you leave your gun? And he admitted that the killing was important. He said, and it was his words, he said, it's orgasmic, the killing. Mm. And Marty Keel, I think, was the one who said that um, sex, it's like sex, uh, going out in the woods without killing, without bringing something home dead when you're a hunter, is like sex without an orgasm. And when you look at it, uh, you can look at bullets are called balls. Uh, hit, when you hit, when you hit another living being, is called penetration. Firing is called discharge, and when you fire too soon, it's called premature discharge. There is definitely something sexual going on here. Wow. Lisa, what do you make of women who are hunters, like TV personality Kendall Jones, for example? And by the way, she has many Facebook followers, so people are very much interested in her. Again, I have to say this has to do like with the cars and the TV, with what they're, what they're uh, being encouraged to do. Um, half, there's certain monies that go into, from uh, gun sales that go into hunting. And the Congress said that half of those could be spent on target ranges and hunter education. And that hunter education is designed to encourage hunters because there are less and less hunters and less and less money with which to manipulate the wildlife and do the things that um, fish and game does on behalf of hunters and on behalf of hunters. So one of the things that these new education programs are doing is they're targeting children and women. So, for example, um, there's many programs now that open early for kids before the actual hunting season. Illinois and Colorado offer hunting lessons for single moms, specifically. Various states have a program called Becoming an Outdoors Woman, uh, again, targeting women. And um, They'll say things like, a guy in Alabama at the bow hunting said something to the effect of, if you teach a man to hunt, he goes hunting. But if you teach a woman to hunt, she brings the entire family. And when you bring the entire family, you usually have kids that will keep hunting for life. So it's part of their recruitment. So one of the reasons, and it's being effective, if the statistics show that age females age 6 to 15 have had a spike from this effect. So our tax dollars are paying to get little girls to go out, to learn to use guns and go out and kill other animals. And I don't think any of us signed up for that. That is infuriating. Don't go away. After the break, we're going to talk about mythology that surrounds sport hunting with Lisa Kemmerer. You're listening to Animals Today. 
This is Dr. Lori Kirshner, and I want to thank you for joining us on Animals Today. Each week, we explore the wide variety of new and important issues concerning the welfare and rights of animals, how people treat them, and where they fit in society. From whale protectors risking their own lives on the open seas, to lawmakers fighting to pass legislation to assist animals, to kids volunteering at their local shelter, Animals Today provides timely and in-depth analysis and interviews with experts and advocates from around the world. To listen, join us every week on this station, listen on iTunes, or go to animalstodayradio.com, where you can access and listen to all the prior shows. And like us on Facebook and share your views. Much of our financial support comes from the nonprofit group Advancing the Interests of Animals. That's AIanimals.org. So check them out. This is Dr. Lori, and thanks for listening. Attention invention and gadget lovers, join our invention testing club called the Da Vinci Club. Every month we're going to send you a brand new gadget, a brand new invention, things that are not on the market before, and you fill out a couple questions. And you get to keep the invention. Maybe the invention's the new OctaCore tablet that's coming up. Maybe it's the new garlic cutter. Every single month you'll get a brand new invention, and the value could be several hundred dollars or twenty, thirty dollars. Every month it's different, but we need your evaluation. And it only costs twenty dollars a month. Call one triple eight eight seven seven zero four nine zero. That's one triple eight eight seven seven zero four nine zero. Or go to mycoolinventions.com. It's mycoolinventions.com. How about that? A brand new invention every single month. Innovative technology nobody's ever seen before. You get to see it first. All you have to do is answer a few questions. Call one triple eight eight seven seven zero four ninety. It's storm season. Bad weather is fast approaching, and if your power goes out, you'll need a strong flashlight. And that's where the Blackout Buddy Emergency Flashlight begins. You'll have a powerful LED flashlight right at your fingertips when the power goes out. Now, normally, a Blackout Buddy Emergency Flashlight retails for $24.99. We have a special offer today. If you call right now, 1-888-877-0490, that's 1-888-877-0490, you can get two of the Blackout Buddy Emergency Flashlights for only $24.99. But you have to call now. Call 1-888-877-0490. When the power goes out, the Blackout Buddy comes on. It plugs directly into your wall socket for constant charging. And when the lights go out, boom, you have super bright LED lights lighting the way. Call right now. Call 1-888-877-0490. You don't get one, you get two for just $24.99. But call right now or go to MyCoolGadgets.com. That's MyCoolGadgets.com. Here's the problem. You've got a stain on your carpet, your clothing, your leather, your upholstery on your car seat, and you can't get it out. What is it? Maybe it's hair dye, nail polish, even graffiti? Solution, stains are out. This is the best stain remover you've ever laid eyes on, stain remover. It'll get out nail polish, hair dye, spray paint, any stain on any surface, guaranteed, period, or your money back. It's made from banana oil, oil from the skin of a banana. You can't find it anywhere else. Biodegradable, environmentally friendly, and it works. Imagine taking out graffiti off the wall. What would you pay to do that? Imagine taking tar off your car and any stain, even dye transfer, the clothing color that's transferred onto the other clothes, it solves that too any stain anywhere. And today's Stains Are Out is available for $29.99. You get a bottle of Hyper Concentrate. This concentrate will make 16 bottles of the best stain remover you've ever laid eyes on for $29.99. But it's the deal of the week and here's what we're going to do. If you buy a bottle, we're going to give you a second bottle for free. That's right, $29.99. It's buy one, get one free. So call 1-888-877-0490, one 888 877-0490. Go to mycoolgadgets.com. Check out the video there taking out graffiti off a car. You heard me right. Surfaces like tile, concrete, bathroom fixtures, it doesn't matter. But being the deal of the week, here's what we're going to do. The first 30 customers, 30 customers, not the 31st, will get a third bottle for free. You heard me right. Buy one, get two free for still only $29.99. Now you're going to have 48 bottles of the best stain room you ever 
saw. It's one 877 0490 That's 1-888-877-0490 or go to com. You're listening to America's Talk Radio Network, where America talks. We're back with Lisa Kemmerer. Lisa, you have told me that you feel there's a lot of mythology that surrounds and sustains sport hunting. So I wanted to talk about that. What are the myths and why do they exist and persist? I was thinking about that actually today as I was driving. I was thinking about how uh, in our culture, early on, hunting was kind of essential. It was a pretty important part of how people fed themselves. I know that was true in my father's family. And so, in, and down through time, of, and then we have the assumption, of course, that this was an essential part of civilization forever, and it's not. Uh, it was very much a part of having uh, these becoming modern weapons. It doesn't make any sense to try to run down a deer, right? You have to have some technology for it. So some of these myths come right out of our country because of the fact that we're a very young country and because of... Um, the fact that there were, were a lot of wild animals here and there were people here who could uh, help teach us how to kill things and because we um, apparently are a culture that likes to kill things. Some of, some of the main myths, uh, if I'm thinking about the ones that I hear about the most, hunting is natural, right? That's a common one. Another one is uh, hunters are essential to conservation or they're the number one force for conservation. Another is that hunting is less harmful than big ag or factory farming, so we should hunt rather than buy meat in the grocery store. And maybe the last big one is that hunting is essential for population control for wildlife. So these are kind of the, if I were going to pick four of the biggest, most common uh, myths, the ones that people just don't know how to answer and kind of almost they're unanimously believed in our culture. These would be the four. Yes, so tell us about the hunting is natural myth. Oh, I'd be delighted to. Hunting is natural. So there's kind of two assumptions here. Well, first of all, the, the idea that hunting is natural. Well, is hunting really natural? So let's look at that one first. We use guns that can shoot for 1.5 miles. They do rapid fire. They have a scope that can magnify the target nine times. We use chemical weapons like uh, estrus, the sense. We use infrared thermal imaging. We use ATVs, GPSs. We use every imaginable gadget. I mean, this is a huge industry. So the first question is, is hunting natural given how we actually hunt? The second question might be, are we really predators? So is hunting really natural for human beings? And given that we need all these gadgets, are we really hunters? How many of us could actually run down much of anything and eat it? I mean, perhaps those cultures that eat insects could argue that maybe humans were designed to eat some insects, but... Not many people would um, even want to sink their teeth directly into a, a deer. We, we have to have fire and heat. We don't seem to be. We aren't carnivores. We it's not even seem. We are not biologically carnivores by any means. We cannot run down a deer and sink our teeth into her. And I think the other thing I'd bring up hunting is natural is that rice, corn, potatoes, I mean, these are the mainstays of human civilizations, not flesh. Right. And there's a second question. So the first one is hunting natural. And I think all of those things say, oh, well, I guess hunting really isn't natural. But I think the second thing we have to ask is, let's say it is natural. That doesn't mean it's good, right? Diseases are natural. Hurricanes are natural. We have wildfires that are natural. In fact, if you look at animal biology, rape is natural uh, in many animal populations. You know, they call them sneak populations. So there's no other case in which humans try to argue that what's natural is really what we want to do. We spend an awfully lot of time trying not to be natural. So just because it's natural doesn't mean we want to do it, and it doesn't mean it's good. And finally, if you look at things like the wounding rate, there's a 30% wounding rate, and it bows, it's 50%. So from that standpoint as well, it is clearly, even if it were natural, it doesn't seem to be a good thing. But how about hunting is essential for population control? Well, that's another one. I think that may be the one that we hear well, it may be the one that we hear most often. Uh, and it's a particularly annoying one because we are obviously the most overpopulated species on the planet, and no one suggested that, suggests that killing us is the way to go, to just arm people and have people go out and let's just pick as many off as we can. Obvi- we know that is not how you solve the problem of overpopulation. And I actually live in a state of Montana where immunocontraceptives are actually 
developed at Zoo Montana, and they're 80% effective. So if we're really interested at cutting populations, first, we should deal with our own, and second, we have immunocontraceptives. And I think the third thing to point out is that deer numbers are manipulated, and they're artificially raised for hunters. Um, they do things like buck season. Now, if you want numbers to go up, you're going to have a buck season and kill off the bucks, but not the does because then you'll have more babies. Hunting seasons show, the seasons, too, that we're limited, that we're trying to um, keep back. Uh, we're trying to actually make more ungulates. And, of course, uh, there's predator control, too. We're trying to kill off the predators because we want more ungulates. And finally, with regard to populations, you know, many, many of the animals that are hunted are protected because um, they're actually at risk because of hunters. Hunters have they've extirpated species at huge expense to the uh, larger population of humanity that we have to pay to bring animals back that the hunters have wiped out. I hear p- hunters would say, I eat what I kill, so hunting is less harmful than factory farming. Yeah. Boy, is that ever the wrong, uh, the wrong comment, the wrong, the wrong what? The wrong, they're weighing the wrong things against each other. So harmful to what or whom, it's true that big ag, that factory farming is just incredibly harmful to millions of animals and to our environment and to other people uh, and to our health. There's no question about all of those things. But there's also no question that hunting is, is just devastating to uh, wild individuals as well as to ecosystems. So we're messing with wild, wild lands with things like predator control that are part of hunting. If you want intact wild spaces, if you want ecosystems as they are, um, then hunting's not the way to go. The, if we look at predator control, and predator control is um, fish and game's way of making sure that we have plenty of uh, wild animals for our hunters instead of coyote eating them, for example. We will have the hunters hunting them. So they kill something on the order of 2 million animals uh, every year and uh, to the tune of about $115 million. And if you want your ecosystems to be natural, you are not going to kill 2 million animals uh, that happen to be ones you don't want in the ecosystem. So there's nothing natural left. When you have hunting and you have wildlife manipulation as we do, you aren't going to have natural ecosystems. That's definitely seriously harmful, as well as just the wounding rates, the psychological terror. I know when I go into the wilderness, I can see the difference when hunting season starts. The animals are afraid and they disappear. And I think the other thing to remember about hunting is that you spend all the money. You know, you're going to have the weapons manufacturing, the vehicles, the ammunition, all the paraphernalia. And you may go out and drive around burning up fossil fuels and come home with nothing. And you often drive a long way to go go hunting. So it's damaging from that standpoint, too. But I think I think perhaps more important than that. Now, there, it's important that we're completely destroying our ecosystems, but it is completely unsustainable. So it isn't even a question of whether or not we could uh, hunt instead of doing factory farming. There's 320 million people in the U.S. roughly, and right now only five percent hunt. So how exactly are we going to have all of those people hunting? It, it is completely unsustainable. We can't do it. So what it is is it's it's elitist. Yeah. I think finally I would say that it's a wrong comparison, right? When someone says, well, what should I do? Should I eat a cow or a deer? Should I kill a duck or should I eat a pig? Well, why don't you go veggie? Because it's going to be cheaper. It's going to be better for the environment. It's going to be better for the ecosystems. It's going to be better for the world on, on a whole. And there's no reason to ask the question as to which meat you're going to eat. Just stop eating other animals. Lisa, what do you think about when hunters say they're the primary supporters of conservation? Nothing could be further from the truth. Hunters have made it so we need conservation. They, it was initially because of hunters and the disappearing of the animals, the target animals, that, that created the need for conservation and why conservation was started was to make sure we kept having those animals for people to kill. Furthermore, the funds for uh, protecting wildlife, for conservation, come from gun sales. There's a hundred for every 100 people, there's 90 guns and only five hunters. So people who are buying um, pistols in the cities are paying for that, not hunters. And the money, furthermore, this, honey, this, this, money, this money, because hunters are thought to support the conservation, is used 
to harm animals in order to uh, warp ecosystems to make sure there's more ungulates. So all in all, they're just, it's just harmful. Lisa, how about this idea that hunting is part of our culture? For me in Montana, this is one of the ones that I feel most strongly in people around me, that people are so nervous that hunting might be lost and they think somehow it's so important to Montana and our history. And it just isn't. Uh, what we're doing, actually the definition of a tradition is something, it's a certain practice that is sustained over time because it has value to the larger community. So the practices have changed almost completely since hunting began. I mean, they say the guns that we use are so high-powered and there's so much technology involved. And certainly it's not something that has value to the community. It's something that's very individualistic that individual people do uh, when, when they want to get away or go out in the woods. So it just, just if you simply understand what a tradition is, it doesn't fit the definition. Lisa Kemmerer, thank you very much for coming on Animals Today. I want to remind my listeners her book is Eating Earth, fantastic book, must read. Thanks, Lisa. Thank you so much. That was so, this is so enjoyable to talk with you. You take care. Attention invention and gadget lovers. Join our invention testing club called the Da Vinci Club. Every month we're going to send you a brand new gadget, a brand new invention, things that are not on the market before, and you fill out a couple questions. And you get to keep the invention. Maybe the invention's the new OctaCore tablet that's coming up. Maybe it's the new garlic cutter. Every single month you'll get a brand new invention, and the value could be several hundred dollars or twenty, thirty dollars. Every month it's different, but we need your evaluation. And it only costs twenty dollars a month. Call one triple eight eight seven seven zero four nine zero. That's one triple eight eight seven seven zero four nine zero. Or go to mycoolinventions.com. It's mycoolinventions.com. How about that? A brand new invention every single month. Innovative technology nobody's ever seen before. You get to see it first. All you have to do is answer a few questions. Call one triple eight eight seven seven zero four ninety. Here's the problem. You've got a stain on your carpet, your clothing, your leather, your upholstery on your car seat, and you can't get it out. What is it? Maybe it's hair dye, nail polish, even graffiti? Solution? Stains are out. This is the best stain remover you've ever laid eyes on, stain remover. It'll get out nail polish, hair dye, spray paint, any stain on any surface, guaranteed, period, or your money back. It's made from banana oil, oil from the skin of a banana. You can't find it anywhere else. Biodegradable, environmentally friendly, and it works. Imagine taking out graffiti off the wall. What would you pay to do that? Imagine taking tar off your car and any stain, even dye transfer, the clothing color that's transferred onto the other clothes, it solves that too any stain anywhere. And today, Stains Are Out is available for $29.99. You get a bottle of Hyper Concentrate. This concentrate will make 16 bottles of the best stain remover you've ever laid eyes on for $29.99. But it's the deal of the week, and here's what we're gonna do. If you buy a bottle, we're gonna give you a second bottle for free. That's right, $29.99. It's buy one, get one free. So call 1-888-877-0490, one 888 877-0490. Go to mycoolgadgets.com. Check out the video there taking out graffiti off a car. You heard me right. Surfaces like tile, concrete, bathroom fixtures, it doesn't matter. But being the deal of the week, here's what we're going to do. The first 30 customers, 30 customers, not the 31st, will get a third bottle for free. You heard me right. Buy one, get two free for still only $29.99. Now you're going to have 48 bottles of the best stain room you ever saw. It's one 877 490 That's one 877 490 Or go to mycoolgadgets.com. You're listening to America's Talk Radio Network, where America talks. Get a little psychological perspective on the killing of Cecil and the world's reaction to it. I'm pleased to welcome Dr. Frida Birnbaum, research psychologist, psychoanalyst, and author. Hi, Dr. Birnbaum. Hi, good morning. Frida, I'm constantly outraged about animal abuse and the horrible things people do to animals, but 
Why are people worldwide so upset and mad about this particular case? Well, first of all, this was done in a way that was illegal. He did not even have permission to kill this animal. Uh, but then it brought on a whole bigger picture to ourselves and our relationship uh, with all these animals around us. And it's provoking new feelings of reacting to situations differently. And this is what we need to look at today. We need to discuss what we should do about our treatment of domesticated, farmed, slaughtered animals and how we should make it work that we have more of a connection uh, with these animals. Yeah. Do you feel, as I do, Frida, that the main motivating factor of hunters is the thrill of the chase and the kill? That's true. It is the thrill. But wouldn't it be better if they could chase something that they don't have to kill at the end or perhaps shoot something that is not an object that is alive but something that is also a thrill, uh, that's also a chase, and that they can also conquer and feel good about their skills. Why does it have to be killing something? But why do they like to kill? Well, it used to be that there was a reason for killing. We evolved since that reason uh, came about. Uh, that was for food and for clothing. So there was a real effort to sustain your life and to your family's life. So you conquered both the fact that you were able to kill, but for a reason. Today that, no, that reason no longer remains. Uh, we have to reassess uh, what the high from killing is really all about and change the way we do this. Frida, as far as I can tell, Dr. Palmer, when not involved in hunting activities, behaves as a responsible member of society, and yet I believe part of him is very evil and or disturbed. How would you explain his psychological profile? When we look at someone who needs to do this, there's something there that's waiting to happen. So there is this repetition, this compulsion to act out on it. Now, wouldn't it be nice if you could do something that's aggressive and assertive that could make a difference? But this may have been something that he was brought up with, something that's familiar, something that's socially uh, acceptable in his circle. So he's gone in that direction. So we could choose the direction we use our aggression and a person who does that often needs to prove themselves. And sometimes when your ego is involved and you need to be able to pat yourself on the back and say, I did a wonderful uh, job, uh, that's also being a psychopath. A psychopath is someone who wants success, who wants to do what they want to do at all expense without connecting to this other situation their experiences or their relationships or people around them. So he may have that ability to disconnect. After all, you know, it is a, a, a living creature, um, and you're killing this living creature for the sport of it. And uh, as everyone remembers, or a lot of your listeners may not uh, know this, but he was not even doing it in such a way that uh, was such a big challenge because they put on the truck uh, another dead animal yeah. that lured the lion uh, to, to the truck to begin with. And all he had to do uh, was take one shot at a short distance. So where, the, where is the sport in that anyway? These people, hunters, psychopaths, who pose with their dead animals, why do they do that? Well, that's a big uh, reward. Yeah. That's the whole outcome of this, is to prove to people what they were able to conquer, that they had a certain power. And then they hang this up on their walls, and this is something that's their trophy for always. So you're right. It's not even about the sport as much as about the fact that they can tell everyone and be proud of their success and how they accomplish something. 
I don't know from a different perspective why that's such a big accomplishment to take an animal who doesn't have any defenses and to kill that animal unless you're starving, you're, 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 you need to feed yourself and your family. That is a whole different place to go to. But to skin that animal and take his head with you and to spend a fortune, well, why can't you give that money to the community? Wouldn't you be prouder of that? And by the way, they do make millions from these hunters there uh, to provide food and shelter, but they make billions from people who come and visit to look at the animals. So wouldn't it be a better idea just to focus on the other since they are needing the money for food and the basic needs that they have to have met? Thinking about the film Blackfish and what it did to raise awareness about captive cetaceans, would you care to predict what impact the killing of Cecil might have on sport hunting? It's a, an important thing to look at because here is an opportunity we can take where people will have to step back and say, you know what, this doesn't feel right. Let me think about this. I'm not shooting some cans on a fence. This is somebody, something, well, somebody was a Freudian slip, but it is a, li a live creature who has feelings, by the way. So creatures have feelings just like we have feelings. And aren't those feelings important? How can you just disregard what's going on around you? So this is an opportunity to make changes with the way we look at hunting and with the way we look at our recreational activities. Uh, Look, I don't even kill an, an insect that crawls in front of me. What, why? What does that prove? A life is meant to be lived uh, through uh, fully, and we should really respect that life, no matter what that life is, whether it's something that crawls on the ground or a higher evolved human being. We're all on this earth to live our lives fully and thoroughly. So we are, really are going to be able to look at this as a backlash for what's been going on in our society in a very serious way. This is not just about us talking, but it's about a backlash. It's loaded with hypocrisy of the way our society uh, has been involved with killing and shooting animals. Because as you know... Um, Animal protein is not necessarily the best way to have protein. It's not even all that good for you. People used to die of heart attacks uh, when they had uh, too much beef uh, and steaks and hamburgers and hot dogs. Uh, we have to be able to see that even our bodies are healthier without killing uh, these innocent creatures. So I want to ask you to expand on your thoughts about what we eat. Will this story about Cecil compel people to examine their diets, particularly their meat consumption? I hope it does. I hope if we speak enough about this and bring it into people's consciousness, that they will be able to feel that this is something that they need to do. So is this something forced on them? Maybe we have to do that. But once that happens, once we keep talking about this, and like you just said, we can't stop now. We need to keep doing this. We need to keep reinforcing this in people's minds that we are unconsciously continuing to act in a way that is no longer necessary. We no longer need to have clothing from animals. We no longer need to have food from animals. After all, our farmed animals were wild animals at one time, and we decided to go ahead and use them uh, for our food. So all this is antiquated. We have to live up to where we are today and to realize 
that when we're hurting other animals, we're really hurting ourselves because we are doing something that's extremely inhumane for these creatures who have feelings and inhumane for ourselves because it is very barbaric to think that we need these animals to sustain ourselves. It's not true. It's not the case anymore. Psychoanalyst and author Dr. Frida Birnbaum, thank you very much. My pleasure. Thank you. Attention invention and gadget lovers, join our invention testing club called the Da Vinci Club. Every month we're going to send you a brand new gadget, a brand new invention, things that are not on the market before, and you fill out a couple questions. And you get to keep the invention. Maybe the invention's the new OctaCore tablet that's coming up. Maybe it's the new garlic cutter. Every single month you'll get a brand new invention, and the value could be several hundred dollars or twenty, thirty dollars. Every month it's different, but we need your evaluation. And it only costs twenty dollars a month. Call one triple eight eight seven seven zero four nine zero. That's one triple eight eight seven seven zero four nine zero. Or go to my coolinventions.com. It's mycoolinventions.com. How about that? A brand new invention every single month. Innovative technology nobody's ever seen before. You get to see it first. All you have to do is answer a few questions. Call one triple eight eight seven seven zero four ninety. It's storm season. Bad weather is fast approaching, and if your power goes out, you'll need a strong flashlight. And that's where the Blackout Buddy Emergency Flashlight begins. You'll have a powerful LED flashlight right at your fingertips when the power goes out. Now, normally, a Blackout Buddy Emergency Flashlight retails for $24.99. We have a special offer today. If you call right now, 1-888-877-0490, that's 1-888-877-0490, you can get two of the Blackout Buddy Emergency Flashlights for only $24.99. But you have to call now. Call 1-888-877-0490. When the power goes out, the blackout buddy comes on. It plugs directly into your wall socket for constant charging. And when the lights go out, boom, you have super bright LED lights lighting the way. Call right now. Call 1-888-877-0490. You don't get one, you get two for just $24.99. But call right now or go to mycoolgadgets.com. That's mycoolgadgets.com. Announcing breakthrough technology for your security of your home. Simply plug an activator security system into any wall outlet your house. It's like having shields on the house. Any window, any door, any intrusion, whatever you've plugged into the activator is going to turn on. Light and sound deter criminals. And imagine this, you come home personally, put your own key in the door, the lights turn on for you. Normally an activator security system is $99. But today you're not going to get one activator for $99, you're going to get two of them for $99. Secure your whole house. Call one 877-0490. Check it out at mycoolgadgets.com. That's one 877-0490. And the first 50 people won't get one, they'll get four. It's buy one, get four, still only $99. Call one 877 1-888-877-0490. Or go to mycoolgadgets.com. <laughs> You're listening to America's Talk Radio Network, where America talks. Welcome back. I just got off the Thai Beanie Baby website to see the status of Cecil the Lion Beanies. They're not for sale yet. It's front and center on the website, but you click around and it's really not there yet. So it'll be a, a month or so before those go on sale and like I said, on Facebook, I would guess they'll raise 10 to $20 million in just no time with those uh, cute little guys. And by the way, if you are not up on the Beanie Baby business, it's quite a, a well-diversified uh, little stuffed animal business. Uh, very impressive uh, career path, uh, Ty. Congratulations on that. Uh, Walter Palmer continues to be in uh, hiding. He is spending reportedly thousands of dollars a day on arm, armed security in his uh, second home in Marco Island, Florida. Reportedly, that home has a value of $1.1 million. It was targeted, as we mentioned uh, earlier in the show, by vandals. They sprayed the words lion killer on his garage door. And I just read this the other day. They also dumped 
pig's feet on his driveway. That's a brilliant uh, move there, but there it is. So this uh, security firm is uh, out there, and I'll tell you more about them um, in a minute. How do we know Dr. Palmer's not hiding in his million-dollar Florida vacation home? That's a good point. But meanwhile, officials in Zimbabwe have called for Palmer to be extradited to face a trial for allegedly illegally shooting Cecil. We'll see where that goes. Two days ago, the Animal Legal Defense Fund said it filed a complaint alleging that Palmer has brought disrepute to Minnesota's dental profession and should have his license revoked. I don't know what the interest of the ALDF is in uh, Palmer and dentistry in general. I would think maybe the this ought to originate with the uh, medical board or with the professional group of dentists in Minnesota, but there you go. So we'll see what happens to that. But it's interesting. Everyone wants to get in the action here. And truly, there are uh, many groups around the world that have an interest in wildlife, and uh, they are jumping on the bandwagon here. I'm okay with that, whatever it takes, you know? So a little bit more about the company called Global Investigative Group. That is the company that is protecting the vacation home of the dentist. They have armed investigators on the property. They've set up cameras, and they are documenting all license plates. So if you drive by just to see what's going on, they'll know you were there. All the investigators are former police officers, they're highly trained, they're armed, and they're all uh, licensed in Florida, and uh, he's paying thousands to uh, keep this protection. And it makes you wonder why. Okay, it's one thing to have like an armed guard or a guard to just be a presence there to make sure the vandals don't come and spray paint your... But I think there's more to it here. I think he doesn't want people getting into that place. I wonder what's in there. I bet he's got a large stock of uh, stuffed trophies in there that he doesn't want anyone to see. Because they're illegal? Well, that's a good question. Maybe they were illegally taken. But either way, when the world sees, if the world were to see all these, it would really prevent him from carrying on his, his career. He just doesn't want people to really I, I know think what's going on here. I think his career's over regardless. Uh-huh, regardless. And okay. I think I, I would just expect there would be a lot of trophies on his walls. Yeah. Now, whether they are legal or not, that's another thing. Right. The, uh, he's also being uh, investigated by the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, which wants to see if any violations of U.S. law occurred related to the hunt. We'll let you know where that goes. There is an interesting uh, interview from a former patient. Uh, her name is Morgan Stober. She's now 31 years old. When she was a teen, she had worked on, and in fact, many family members have been his patient over the years. She says, and this is a quote, I'm no vegetarian and have nothing against hunting if a person is going to eat or otherwise make use of the animal. She's a cosmetologist, by the way. But she continues to shoot and kill for fun, especially endangered species I find morally and ethically corrupt. She also goes on to say, my family has already written a letter saying that in all good conscience, we cannot continue to support his practice and will be looking for a new dentist. So all these thousands of dollars that the family has paid him for services have gone to fund animal killing vacations. Interesting, right? Very interesting. And I would bet she's not alone in that sentiment, right? You bet. Now, another big game hunter has been, quote, outed, and that is a guy named Jimmy John Leotoud. I think that's how he says it. His last name is L. Is spelled L-I-A-U-T-A-U-D. He is the owner of Jimmy John's Restaurants, which is a chain of like sandwich shops based in Illinois. There are photos which have been online since uh, 2011, and they show a person who looks just like him uh, with uh, his dead corpses. The person in question has never acknowledged that he is the actual hunter, but it's accepted, generally accepted, that this is the big game hunter. And so... It's his twin brother. <laughs> yes, I know. It's his, it's his twin. I know, it's not me. So people are considering boycotting Jimmy John's restaurants. In fact, there's an entrepreneur named Jonah Lupton, he has got 900,000 Twitter followers, and he tweeted the pictures out to all his followers uh, showing Mr. Jimmy John. And so the arguments that are being made get to be pretty thin. Here's another physician, the surgical gynecologic oncologist Jan Seski, right? So he also has been accused of uh, engaging in a legal hunt. 
He does not acknowledge that the hunt was illegal. He's got a lawyer who released this statement that I want to read to you. And you can see where these illegal arguments are going. Uh, the lawyer writes, recently there have been media reports naming Dr. Jan Seski in connection with the killing of a lion in Zimbabwe in April 2015. These reports are not accurate. During April of this year, Dr. Seski was at his home in the Pittsburgh area treating the cancer patients that rely upon him for their care through the medical practice that he has maintained since 1981. It continues, Dr. Seski did travel to Zimbabwe in July of this year and participated in a lawfully permitted hunt. During the trip, Dr. Seski did lawfully hunt and take a lion. As required by the rules in Zimbabwe, he promptly notified the Zimbabwean authorities and provided them with all the information and paperwork required by law. He ensured that he was at all times in compliance with all rules, regulations, and laws and had the necessary permits required by Zimbabwe. Dr. Seski urgently, urgently wishes to return to his medical practice and to continue serving his patients. As he has for the past 35 years, that is where Dr. Seski intends to focus his energy and attention. So that's the angle, okay, everything he did was legal, and so there's no problem here, so just let him go back to saving lives like he has. And uh, that's, what else do you say? You know, uh, it's still very distasteful to many people, legal or not, and we understand there is uh, legal hunting, and we don't approve of it, but that's the reality. But still, when you engage in this stuff, you are going to get a lot of uh, negative karma coming back upon you in terms of your, your patience and uh, the universe, right? That's right. The uh, uh, Carnegie Museum of Natural History said it's reviewing Seski's donation of two Nile crocodiles and an American alligator to see if he published international standards that were made since the donations. So a lot of scrutiny when you engage in this uh, sort of uh, behavior. Finally, some airlines are no longer going to be uh, shipping trophies or pieces of animals uh, back to the States, and uh, they have uh, announced their policies. Unfortunately, some of the uh, African countries are criticizing these bans. They are claiming they need the business of the legal hunting to support their conservation efforts. Apparently, it's a $500 million industry that's going to suffer if the hunters cannot ship back their trophies. And that is an interesting uh, dilemma that the world community needs to take on, in my opinion. You've got all these uh, groups and governments, and you've got all these animal welfare groups with an interest in Africa, like I mentioned before. And if it's true, if it's true that the governments require the funds generated by legal hunting to protect the rest of the animals, then we need to figure out a way to uh, get these, to get this $500 million another, in another way. Okay, Lori, there you go. Thanks, Peter. Thank you for tuning in to Animals Today. This is Dr. Lori Kirshner encouraging you to nurture your love and compassion for the only other beings sharing our planet, the animals. Animals Today Radio is made possible in part by a generous grant from International Society for Animal Rights, ISAR Online. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the host and participants and not intended to and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of America's Talk Radio Network, its management, and the station. All listeners are advised that neither America's Talk Radio Network nor its affiliates and owners shall be held liable for the content of programs, including any advice given. All listeners are advised to make their own decisions after appropriate consultation with professionals who've had an opportunity to consider completely each listener's circumstances and not in reliance upon the content of America.